Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to the Attention Deficit Disorder Expert Podcast Series by Attitude Magazine. I'm Susan Coffin. I'm here for Attitude Magazine, and you are listening to Attitude's ADHD Experts. Today's topic is Oppositional Defiant Disorder, ODD. Angry outbursts, rudeness, hostility, defiance, these are the hallmarks of children with ODD, and it's one of the most difficult aspects of parenting a child with attention deficit disorder, and one that causes the most heartbreak among the parents in our community here at Attitude. I'm very pleased today to welcome back Bill Dodson, a board-certified adult psychiatrist who has specialized for almost 30 years in adult ADHD. Dr. Dodson is currently in private practice in Denver, Colorado. He's a life fellow of the American Psychiatric Association and the author of the forthcoming book, What You Wished Your Doctor Knew About ADHD. Today, Dr. Dodson will talk about strategies for managing oppositional defiant disorder in kids, in adults, and in the family, including some of the new information that we have about medications for ODD. Dr. Dodson, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. We are very grateful for your time. Thank you, Susan. We're going to be talking today about oppositional defiant disorder, ODD, and to some extent it's uh, worse, more impairing cousin conduct disorder. Um, oppositional defiant disorder becomes conduct disorder about 40% of the time, and so it's commonly viewed as kind of a, a starter version of conduct disorder and we try and do everything in our power to keep it from migrating into full uh, conduct disorder. Uh, it's important to note that this is a lot more than just a misbehaving child who doesn't listen to his mother. Uh, this is a very well-circumscribed genetic neurological condition uh, in which the child is hardwired to defy anybody that they perceive as being in authority or telling them what to do. This is uh, not the type of child who responds to um, the parent training to be a better parent or providing more structure. Oppositional defined disorder is extremely common, uh, and depending on who you read, it's anywhere from about 10% of males and 9% of females to as high as 25% if the person also has ADHD. Oppositional defiant disorder and ADHD co-occur almost all the time. It is exceedingly rare to have an ODD child who doesn't also have ADHD. There's a grand total of 18 such cases reported in the literature, so it's exceedingly rare. The reverse is not true. Uh, not everybody with ADHD has ODD. Uh, somewhere around 25% of boys and about 11% of girls who have ADHD will also carry an ODD diagnosis. These are totally separate conditions. They're both genetic, both have an independent transmission genetically, but they are very, very different conditions um, that require 
separate um, complementary uh, treatments. Uh, first of all, the diagnostic criteria for oppositional defiant disorder. You have to have uh, four out of uh, eight different criteria present at least six months. And unfortunately, they don't give you real good cutoffs. Uh, they use the word often, and nobody really knows what often uh, really means, uh, which accounts, mo this is what mostly accounts for that wide variety and how prevalent it is. It's how that researcher defined often. But the eight criteria are often loses his or her temper, having temper outbursts, explosive, unpredictable behavior. Number two, often argues with adults or anyone they perceive as being an authority. Number three, often actively defies or refuses to comply with adults' requests or rules. Number four, often deliberately annoy people, and this is usually their younger brothers and sisters. Number five, often blames others for his or her mistakes or misbehavior. Six, often touchy or easily annoyed by others. Seven, often angry and resentful. Number eight, often spiteful and vindictive. Um, while these are the diagnostic criteria, they really miss, I think, the look and feel of what this condition is like. First of all, it has an onset. Many people will uh, describe their children as being fairly normal children, willing to comply with rules and things like that and get along with others. And then fairly suddenly, these symptoms appear and are there all the time. There's a childhood onset somewhere around age four or five. There's an adolescent onset uh, right after puberty. And um, the development into um, sexual beings and having sexual hormones is thought to have some role in its emergence. You also have to remember that because ODD is so very heavily genetic, it runs in families. So almost always there is somebody in a, who's a first degree relative who also has oppositional defiant disorder. Uh, very commonly it's a parent, and this is one of the most common causes of divorce in ADHD families, is that the non-ADHD, uh, non-ODD spouse just can't live like that anymore where they're getting it both from their children and from their spouse. Uh, you can usually see this uh, in divorce families because the divorce is never finalized. Uh, it's a never-ending divorce litigation, not so much to win, uh, but as to thwart the non-ODD partner. And that's the important thing uh, to identify with kids with ODD or adults. Um, the oppositional defiant disorder child is hardwired neurologically, genetically, to oppose, defy, or thwart the wishes of anyone they see as having power. It's important to emphasize over and over again, their goal is not to win. Their goal is to defeat you. And so consequently, uh, they will suffer huge negative consequences just to defeat you and make you frustrated. This is why traditional better parenting skills and structure have never once shown any benefit for this group of children. It's that they really don't care what you're doing. 
They don't care about rewards. They don't care about punishments. They are hardwired to make you feel utterly powerless and frustrated. Uh, their goal is to defeat you, to thwart you, not to win. Therefore, just as ODD leads to divorce, it also leads to adolescents being thrown out. Uh, these are kids who don't get along with anybody in authority, whether it's teachers, coaches, policemen, certainly their parents. Um, and they end up being what what uh, called here in Denver throwaway kids. If you go down to your downtown section, uh, you will find a street that is lined with early to mid-adolescent children who have been thrown out of their houses. Virtually all of these kids have oppositional defiant disorder. Um, their presence in the home has just become intolerable. And oftentimes the parents are led to the choice of either choosing to have a uh, place where the other children in the family can grow up without constant bickering and fighting uh, over the ODD child. About 40% of the time, ODD progresses into what's called conduct disorder. Uh, and this has all of the uh, previously listed symptoms for ODD, but now it actually is causing physical or emotional harm to other people. It involves stealing. It involves uh, torturing the family pet, um, really disturbing types of things. About 40% of people with conduct disorder go on to antisocial personality disorder. Um, this is one of the reasons why 40% of people, who, of males who are currently in the prison system, uh, will meet the diagnosis for both ADHD and conduct disorder. Uh, having ADHD does not increase your risk of ending up in jail. It's almost entirely due to the oppositional defiant conduct disorder symptoms that go along with the ADHD. So there are very dire consequences of not intervening, not doing anything, hoping that the kid will grow out of it. Uh, while there are these dire consequences in research, somewhere around 22 to 27 percent of children do just as miraculously as they started having ODD symptoms, suddenly they stop. And again, no one has an explanation for this. But somewhere around one in four, um, the syndrome omits. Um, but again, that's much less than the 40% that uh, go on to more severe illness and about 30% uh, of people who continue uh, having the oppositional defiant disorder their entire lives. There has been virtually no research at all on adults with ADHD. I was able to find two studies anywhere at all times, uh, even in foreign language, that address the existence of ODD in adults. But it is certainly there about, and it persists into adulthood about 70% of the time. You can certainly understand why nobody wants to study these kids. Um, because their research subjects are out to thwart anything that the researcher wants to do. And no person in their right mind is going to want to uh, study such a patient population. As I said earlier, traditional behavior programs don't work since the identified patient is hardwired to defeat anything that the parent tries to do. Um, currently, there's very little uh, in the literature, especially in the United States, on how to manage ADHD 
and uh, ODD children in the house. Uh, virtually all of the literature comes from either uh, the Netherlands or Sweden. Um, there, they have done a great deal of uh, at least genetic research uh, on these individuals. Uh, here in the United States, we tend to be a very judgmental, punitive people. Uh, we tend to, whether we're individuals or even the court system, uh, tend to view oppositional defiant disorder as either being bad kids, bad parents, or both. In Europe, however, there are uh, numerous studies, most of them out of the Netherlands, uh, looking at children adopted at birth who later on go on to develop uh, oppositional defiant disorder. And what they found was it follows the genetics, not the upbringing. Uh, it's an almost entirely genetic disorder. There are uh, two articles out of the University of Uppsala in Sweden, uh, unfortunately not in English, uh, that looked at the cerebral spinal fluid of adolescents and adults with oppositional defiant disorder. And they found that uh, these individuals had no metabolites of a neurotransmitter called serotonin. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter that when it's released actually keeps the next nerve from firing. It's an inhibiting, quieting, problem-solving side of the nervous system. Uh, when they tried, though, to enhance serotonin with these people, what they found was that the oppositional defiant disorder either uh, didn't change at all or got worse. There was not a single case in which it got better. So um, based on some somewhat fallacious logic, they decided that since uh, ADHD individuals had a paradoxical reaction that when they took stimulants, they calmed down, they tried blocking serotonin. And what they found when you lump all the studies together is that about 75% of people with oppositional defiance disorder uh, got uh, rapidly better. And in some cases, the ODD went away entirely. So again, we have absolutely no explanation about why uh, these medications work. Uh, there are no medications available in the United States uh, for uh, an indication of oppositional defiant disorder. The FDA is one of those organizations that views oppositional defiant disorder as bad kids, bad parents, or both. And so they deny the existence of oppositional defiant disorder. So they will never allow a company to actually bring a medication to market uh, for the treatment of oppositional defiant disorder. Uh, it's one of those policy things that uh, ignores reality. So uh, what we found that works is fairly straightforward. The first thing to do is to treat the ADHD. Uh, when you adequately get, uh, treat the ADHD with stimulant medications, the symptoms of oppositional defiant disorder decrease about 50%, making this much more manageable. Um, but the ODD is still there. Um, then uh, the next thing to try is a low-dose atypical neuroleptic. Um, these are um, not, again, indicated at all for ODD and are used for usually mood disorders or schizophrenia uh, in adolescents or adults. Uh, the ones that have a literature that actually show that they work are Abilify, Omeprazole, Eshimeraripiprazole, uh, Risperidone, and Olanzapine. 
Uh, Seroquel can also be used, but there's also uh, nothing in the literature to support its use. Uh, again, all of this literature uh, is from places outside of the United States. Most of it is not in English. But uh, when these medications do work, they work very quickly, a matter of three or four days, uh, and they work very dramatically. Uh, the typical thing is for me to get a phone call about three or four days in from a mother who calls and says, Doctor, someone has come and taken my child, but they left another kid here that looks exactly like him, only he's nice to me. Uh, that's the level of response that you should expect. If you don't get that, you move on to the next neuroleptic. And really, all of them should be tried before giving up on uh, the neuroleptic treatment of ADHD, of ADHD uh, and or oppositional defiant disorder. But you're not out of the woods yet. Uh, most of these kids have absolutely no skills about how to get along with other people. Uh, indeed, they appear, when they have oppositional defiant disorder, as being very narcissistic uh, people caring about themselves only, uh, and they feel completely comfortable with doing horrible things to other people without any apparent pang of conscience. So you, once you actually have somebody who's not actively trying to defeat you, you can do some of the techniques that do work with non-oppositional defiant children. Uh, on the Attitude website uh, are a number of articles by Dr. Ross Green from Harvard, um, and his book, The Explosive Child, uh, tends to have a number of these techniques in them. Um, the standard texts are for the childhood onset. In other words, uh, pre-pubertal, less than 12 years old child um, the book to get is The Defiant Child by Russ Barkley. And you can get that from the uh, online addwarehouse.com bookstore. Uh, this is uh, one of the few textbooks that uh, really helps you understand um, exactly how to provide structure for these very difficult, hard-to-love children. Uh, Barclay is very clear and emphasizes it many times in the book that this is not something that a parent can pick up and, um, and just uh, implement themselves. Almost always, according to uh, Dr. Barclay, uh, they need somebody who's a child behavioral expert to help them coach them, uh, help them practice, and really uh, implement these behavioral techniques so that the child can learn how to live with other people. For adolescents, um, there's only one program that has shown any detectable lasting benefit, and that's the REST program, R-E-S-T, and REST stands for uh, Real Economy System for Teens, uh, and it is a highly behavioral program uh, that is just imposed on the uh, family system. Uh, what the parents do is they sit down and figure out how much it costs them to have the pleasant, uh, pleasure of their ODD child in their life. Um, they then uh, divide that by 365, and the adolescent has to do five things every day without being reminded. Uh, they have to keep themselves um, clean. In other words, they have to wash their own clothes, they have to shower, they have to be presentable. They have to keep their room clean and orderly. Uh, out in real adult life, um, people who trash out the apartments they live in get evicted. 
in exchange for three meals a day and a roof over their head, they have to do a major chore, uh, vacuum the entire house, uh, cook a meal and clean up afterwards, something like that. And again, without being reminded. Uh, they have to avoid all aggressive or violent uh, action, speech, or expression, so even rolling their eyes at their parent, something that would get you fired from McDonald's if you did it to the boss, uh, counts in that re regard. And then finally, health and safety. No drug use, no staying out all night, uh, that sort of thing. To be especially noted, uh, school performance is not a part of the REST program. Uh, if the adolescent is able to do all five of these things uh, without being reminded, they get that day's money in an envelope by the, uh, by the bed at the end of the day. If they uh, miss even one of them, they get nothing. They just get an index card with what they missed on it. What this does is it gives the adolescent no one to defeat. If they want the money to do the things that are important to them, they have to learn uh, what is always non-negotiably required of adults uh, in order to live out in the world and get along with other people. Uh, this program is about 83% effective, so um, that's much better than zero. In the literature, there's also a book called The Rest Program that's available on Amazon. So that's a very quick uh, overview of a very thorny, difficult, but common uh, problem found in children with ADHD. Uh, and it's not as hopeless as um, it first appears to be. So with that, I'll open it up to questions. Thanks so much, Dr. Dodson. Um, can we go back for a second to diagnosis? Um, some, of the, sure. some of the questions here relate to um, people whose children behave absolutely beautifully at school and or with outsiders, but behave in a very defiant manner um, with their parents. And there's a question as to whether that meets ODD, the criterion of ODD. Does it have to cross all boundaries, or can it can just take place in certain settings? Um, that is a um, real source of argument in the few people that actually um, specialize in this and who helped develop the diagnostic criteria. Under the old diagnostic criteria, you had to have impairment, um, thwarting, oppositional behavior, outbursts of, of anger and stuff like that, both at home, in school, in church, on the playground. You had to have it everywhere. Uh, now it is recognized that while that's a very common presentation, um, there are just as many kids who are only that way uh, with their parents uh, and can be just absolute darlings and well-liked by teachers, coaches, uh, and people like that. Um, so it, while it's not an official thing right now, that's where the field is headed, is you can have a very isolated uh, place where these behaviors occur. And almost always it's with the parents. Right. There's just several people. I'll just read one quote. If our son's only oppositional at, at home, is that still, can that still be ODD? And I guess you're saying yes. It's absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Okay. Um, another question that's come up about diagnosis is how does one differentiate um, oppositional behavior that comes from depression or anxiety or reaction to stimulant medications that make um, 
make children angry. A number of people have said that the stimulant medications seem to make their children angry, and they're wondering if that's a separate issue from ODD. That, that is a separate issue. Uh, either the dose of stimulant medication is too high, or the anger is only occurring uh, during the rebound period at the end of the dose. So it's, it's usually very focused uh, and very conditional. It only happens when he takes his ADHD medication, or it only happens right at the end of the dose. Um, so either a dosage adjustment or uh, adding another what we call step-down dose at the end of the first one uh, that lets the kid come down without having the, the rebound phenomenon um, is a very quick uh, cure for that type of behavior. Again, this is more than just an angry kid. Right. Uh, these are kids who have as their life goal, they put all of their energy into it, uh, into annoying, thwarting, defying uh, the person that they see as being in power and authority. That's the real thing I want you to take, take away. Every kid gets angry. Every kid misbehaves. But this is a pervasive pattern and again, focused in on just authority figures. Okay. Um, how about differentiating ODD from depression? Um, that's people are wondering if um, it sounds very different from what you're saying. Depress depressive people are usually, if anything, more subdued. But yeah. um, wondering what you yeah, I, I think they're identifying the same thing. Um, when the average person on the street uses the term depression, they use it as being synonymous with being sad, blue, down in the dumps, that sort of thing. And point of fact, only 60% of people who are depressed ever report sadness. Mm. Uh, what is by far the most common uh, emotional uh, symptom in the syndrome of depression is uncharacteristic irritability uh, that... Um, Usually these people are fairly easygoing, but now they're just rubbed raw, and they tend to kind of explode uh, if you do something that irritates them, uh, and it only occurs in the uh, depression. Usually these are very low-energy people. That's sort of the definition of what a depression is, is that all of the joy has gone out of life. They have no motivation, very low energy. They just want to withdraw into their room, that sort of thing. An oppositional defiant kid is going to come find you and tell you just what a terrible parent you are, um, curse at you, uh, and it's a very active, aggressive right. uh, thing that you can't even avoid these kids. They'll, they'll come looking for you to pick a fight. <laughs> Great. Um, and a couple of people also are saying that their their child is very angry and oppositional to one parent and not and not another, and they're wondering if that also could qualify as an ODD diagnosis. Well, that's less common. It still qualifies under the, okay. under the new way of looking at and if you were in Europe, that would that would certainly qualify you. Um, our Diagnostic and Statistical Manual number five is a um, very conservative document, and it's written almost entirely by researchers, uh, actual practitioners who really have real-life experience with these disorders make virtually no contribution to the diagnostic manual. 
Uh, it's more for researchers and statisticians uh, than it is uh, available and useful uh, to practitioners. Okay. Um, it, it is a diagnostic and statistical manual. Right. So, Turning now to treatment, um, some of the, the people on the webinar are treating their children for ODD and um, are wondering whether uh, the, the non-stimulants, the stratteras and the intunas, can help with both ADD, sorry, they're treating their children for ADHD, whether they, they can treat ODD as well. There's a grand total of one published study on that that did show what they called a statistically significant uh, improvement in oppositional defiant disorder with stratera. Um, I would suggest to you that that's very different from something that is clinically significant. Something that's statistically significant, only statistically significant, is something that neither you nor I would even notice. It just means that it's somewhat less likely to occur by chance is what a statistically significant response is. Uh, what we want is something that really shows a dramatic difference out in the world. Uh, and so Stratera was not able to show that, but again, only one study. Okay. So it's hard to know. We don't know, really know yet, I guess, is what you're saying. Um, the jury's still out. Okay. In terms of, um, what's the name of the um, atypical uh, there are a number of atypicals right. that, that are out there. Um, uh, probably Risperdone, Risperdol Risperdone. Is, the okay. uh, is the one that has been most used and most studied, but also is the one that the uh, New York Times has a vendetta about. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and they, they, you know, the week doesn't go by that they don't trash that medication in some form or another. Right. And, if and when these medications have a dramatic benefit, and that's about three out of four of them, that's a pretty good in any ballpark, uh, it's going to be unmissable. It's going to be dramatic. It's going to be quick. It's going to be at low dose. So usually it's like one milligram of Risperdal given at night, and if it's not dramatically effective in two or three days, you, you stop it. Okay. Now, there's very little downside risk to at least a brief medication trial. Um, side effects, people are concerned about the side effects um, with Risperdal, especially a couple of people's children, um, doctors have cut back their dosage because of concern about side effects. Another person's child developed elevated blood sugar. Are there concerns about, um, about the side effects with Risperdal? Sure. Um, every medication has sure. side effects. Um, one of the first things I would uh, encourage a person to do is to literally list on a piece of paper what the risks are either of the treatment and non-treatment. What's the risk to the child, to the family unit, to the parents, to the marriage of not treating? Now, that's very rarely looked at, especially by very anxious parents. Uh, the most common uh, side effects with any of the neuroleptics um, uh, is just sedation. Uh, the kid's a little groggy. Um, rarely, especially when you're using very low dosages, uh, two and a half to five milligrams of Abilify, one milligram of Risperdal, um, two and a half to five milligrams of Olanzapine, brand name Zyprexa. Um, 
when you try these medications, usually it's a very low dose, um, very short periods of time. Um, but the major side effect is one of sedation. Uh, the side effects are directly related to dose. Uh, so the higher the dose, the more likely it is for a person to have side effects. Um, people can get stiff, uh, and their tongue can get stiff, so that they have trouble speaking. That's called a dyskinesia. Uh, they can get very restless and almost uh, march in, in space. The technical term for that is akesthesia. Um, in very, very rare cases, um, uh, children can start lactating. Uh, it, it, very complex mechanism, but again, I've only seen that once or twice, and usually at doses four to five times what I just listed. Uh, and then it also can cause a what's called a metabolic syndrome. Uh, any of these well, that, that would be the blood sugar blood sugar right. problem. It can raise blood sugar, and also it can turn off what's called the satiety center. Uh, section in the brain that tells you that you've had enough to eat, you're full, you're satisfied. Um, so these kids uh, just eat and eat and eat and eat, and they're putting on a pound or two a week. Mm. And the nice thing is, you stop the medication, that goes away. Uh, these, none of these things are permanent. So some, some kids just can't take these medications, and right. family will have to move to the, the behavior modification strategies that you described. Um, right. Okay. There are a couple of teachers on, on this webinar, it's interesting, asking for any thoughts on how to deal with oppositional children in the classroom. Um, it's a tough question, I'm imagining. That is a tough question. Uh, mind if I think about it, dodge it for a few minutes? Sure. <laughs> yeah. In terms of therapy, um, should a therapist have a specific background in dealing with ODD children for, for, to, for cognitive behavior therapy? Um, that certainly helps, right. and it, it's um, something I've been emphasizing over and over again. Um, there are a lot of therapists out there who are very well trained, have nice programs and things like that, um, that essentially just make for a better parent and a more structured home life. Um, we're talking about totally different kids. Uh, we're talking about kids who are hardwired to make the life of their parents a misery. Uh, they are there to um, tear down, demean, embarrass the parents. Uh, they come by two or three times every day to tell the parent just what an awful person they are, what an inadequate parent they are. Again, there's an attacking uh, quality to oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder. And uh, parents can take that to heart. Uh, again, they they say, well, am I a bad parent? I mean, uh, is it some inadequacy in me uh, that has produced this child from hell? Um, the answer is no. Um, again, luckily, most of the time, there are other children who are doing perfectly well. And that's sort of the validation of the parents that you know, their parental techniques actually do work with kids who don't have oppositional defiant disorder. Uh, so a lot of times, uh, the parents... Uh, need a lot of supportive, reality-based um, therapy and family therapy themselves. Um, the real problem comes 
when one of the parents is oppositional defiant themselves, uh, this is the person who also will be tearing down the non-ADHD ODD parent, uh, refusing to go in for treatment, refusing to give to give the medication, anything that the non-ODD parent wants, um, they're against. Um, so they fight medication, they fight instituting a program, and oftentimes um, you can't institute either medication or this very comprehensive behavior management just because the other ODD parent is actively thwarting it. Can you talk about ODD in adults? There are a few adults on the webinar who have been diagnosed later in life and you know, are looking back and seeing that their oppositional behavior has affected the course of their relationships and careers. Is this something you see in your client base? Yes, I do. Um, and, and usually it's um, um, the kid is ODD in, in the process of working on a um, uh, treatment program for the kid. It, it comes out that the parent has been fired from multiple jobs because they uh, constantly uh, are telling their boss what an idiot they are and how they don't know what they're doing, or they got kicked out of the military because uh, they were, quote, unsuitable uh, to remain in the military, um, th that sort of thing. Uh, they've had multiple divorces, etc. cetera. Um, and so it's, it's important to help that. Again, the readiness is all. The person has to say, all of these things have happened throughout my life. I am the only common denominator. I'm tired of living like this. Uh, I want to do something. Uh, otherwise, again, um, the ODD child, adolescent, or adult can thwart everything you do merely by doing nothing. Um, this is, again, it's um, uh, getting an adult to actually engage and remain engaged uh, is a very difficult thing because all they have to do to completely defeat everybody is do nothing. This is a right. very, very difficult condition to treat. And the In adults. earlier you do it, the better. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of questions about that. What happens to kids who aren't treated? Do they outgrow it? Does it get worse? Um, what What's the prognosis for children who, who have ODD? The, the uh, prognosis is it continues into adulthood. And I hit on this a little bit earlier. Again, very round numbers. About one in four, suddenly, it just disappears. It goes away. Uh, no, no, just as it didn't come for any apparent reason, there's no apparent reason why it leaves. 40% of people, uh, it gets progressively worse lifelong, and they proceed from oppositional defiant conduct disorder to antisocial personality, which is a fancy way of, of saying this is our criminal class. Uh, these are the people who occupy our prisons. Uh, again, very, very negative outcome. And about 30% of people, 30, 35% of people, just continue with the oppositional defiant disorder their entire lives. So it's a non-remitting chronic condition Oof. for most people. What are the signs of that a, a, a person has moved from ODD to contact, conduct disorder? Um, again, it's... Um, it's that uh, everything has gotten significantly worse. Um, I'll read you the um, 
diagnostic criteria from the DSM-5. Um, and it falls into four basic sections. First one is aggression to people and animals. Often bullies, threatens, or intimidates others, initiates physical fights, has used a weapon to physically harm other people, physically cruel to people or animals, has stolen while confronting a victim, has forced someone into sexual activity. Uh, second group is destruction of, of property, has deliberately engaged in fire setting with the intention of causing serious damage or destroyed the property of others. Third group is deceitfulness or theft, has broken into someone else's house, building, or car, has lied to obtain goods or favors uh, or to avoid obligations, has stolen items of non-trivial value. And then the fourth one is serious validations of the rules, often stays out at night despite parental prohibitions, is often truant from school, has run away from home overnight for at least a night. Um, those are the diagnostic criteria for oppositional defiant disorder. Okay. So, so it's again, much more serious physically for conduct disorder. Right. Okay. So yeah, you, you definitely want to avoid that, and that's why you're advising treatment for the ODD early on to keep that from progressing to that. Um, yeah. 40% risk of progression. Wow. Do kids with ODD have oftentimes have remorse after their behavior? They sometimes can. They can, um, yeah. They'll come back and apologize for it. Um, and then do it again. Right. Uh, and but it's something sort of... where the parent, it, it, one, doesn't trust the apology and even gets kind of pissed off um, that the kid's coming back and apologizing. It's sort of, you know, who cares if the kid apologizes? He's going to do it to me in an, again in an hour. You know, mm -hmm. what, what does this apology do me? And again, that, that's where I try and emphasize is that this is hardwired. It is not something that the child has an active choice about. Um, it is an obligatory behavior. And it's always astounding to me that this type of very complex behavior uh, can be coded for in our genes. I mean, that, that's right. Awesome. But there's no genetic test, obviously. Maybe there will be someday. I mean, some no. folks and you're, are and you're not going to do... And you're not going to do spinal taps on everybody either. No, no. Um, how early should children be diagnosed and or treated for ODD, or can they be diagnosed and treated? Um, um, they can, uh, this, again, there's a childhood onset, usually at about four or five years of age. Right. Uh, uh, this is the kid who's been thrown out of three daycare centers, mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing. Uh, the kid who starts just cursing like a sailor at age four, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, so it's one of those things that you treat wherever there's the impairment. Um, ultimately, um, this behavior really destroys, not just impairs, but destroys a parental bond. These are hard kids to love, or at least continue loving. Um, and so usually these people end up being estranged from everybody. They know everybody in their family. Uh, again, this is a disastrous condition. And so wow. the earlier you can intervene, the better. number of people have been advised to send their children to wilderness programs. Do you have any point of view on those? Uh, yeah, I've generally found them to be kind of useless. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at um, 
you know, providing more structure, more rules, and, and stuff like that. Um, that's what's called a nonspecific benefit. It comes from the environment, from the situation, from the structure that other people provide. And so it, it's kind of universal. Any child, any adult will do better in a predictable, structured, rational uh, environment than they're going to function in a chaotic, unpredictable, out-of-control environment, nonspecific. It's as if the child is removed from that situation, have they changed? And I really have not seen uh, much in the way of permanent change from these wilderness programs. Uh, a lot of these kids get out, end, end up being sent to military schools uh, where basically they're housed with a whole bunch of other kids who the parents have just found to be utterly intolerable. And it, it's more outsourcing the problem for somebody else to take care of. Right. Um, that said, I am a big advocate for parents getting respite. Uh, these kids are exhausting. Um, they'll just eat your soul out. So having some time away, especially to uh, renew the bond with the with your spouse, um, and not be split by the child, uh, I think is very very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you talk a little bit about finding a therapist? So many people have said, you know, how do I get everybody on the same page about treating the child? One thing I just wanted to point out to the members people who are listening in, on the Attitude website, um, on the webinar for Dr. Dodds, on the page for Dr. Dodson's webinar, attitudemag.com slash webinars, we put a link to a quiz. It's a self-test. It actually lists the symptoms, and you can answer that, and then you can print it out at the end and take it to a doctor if that helps you have a document to take to a, a therapist or a doctor um, to get some, everyone on the same page. Um, about how severe the symptoms actually are. But, you know, I think it is really difficult to get help for people. What, Very what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, as with just about anything having to do with ADHD, there are very few people out there that know what the hell they're doing. There was an article by uh, Peter Jensen, who's a very famous researcher in uh, ADHD while he was still at the Mayo Clinic and what he showed was that the average family went through 11 clinicians before they found one that they thought was competent to treat their child's ADHD. Uh, I would submit to you that there are even fewer uh, that have the competency and experience to treat a child with ADHD and oppositional defiant disorder. Mm -hmm. So how do you find these people? You go to a self-help group. Uh, Chad is the place to start um, because there are parents out there who have been through what you're through, going through right now. They know who's good. They know who's not. They know who gets results and who doesn't. Um, start with them. Uh, don't recreate the wheel. Uh, and it's not just for the information that you'll get at the Chad meeting. It's for the support that you'll get. Um, there are there are fewer and fewer now, um, but there's usually tough love organizations in most major cities, um, and you can just 
Well, again, Google search them. God bless Google. You can find anything. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, there are also, for adults, the uh, National Attention Deficit Disorder Association, uh, ADD.org, um, is a very good group for adults. And again, uh, you can find somebody there that will be very helpful who's you know, a year or two out in front of you who can give you some guidance about where to find help and also tremendous support. Um, and need support if you're dealing with a child uh, or a spouse or both who have ODD. Okay. Um, for those of you who asked about CHAD, CHAD is the National Organization for Attention Deficit Disorder. Wonderful resources, chadd.org. .org. .org, just a, um, an unbelievable resource, um, local support groups, Lot, uh, helpline you can call. I can't stress enough how helpful chat can be to you. Um, so make sure to take advantage of that. Um, what about other treatments? Neurofeedback, biofeedback, diet? Um, people, you know, all want to know whether any of these other techniques can work. Hypnosis, someone just mentioned. All right. And, and doing the literature search for this book you're going to be I hope seeing very, very soon. Um, I found nothing um, on any of those topics. It just hasn't been researched. Uh, in general, uh, one can say about ADHD that there never has been any research that shows that what you eat either causes ADHD, makes it work or worse, or makes it better. Uh, there are two open-label studies of omega-3 fatty acids um, that have been able to show, and again, a statistical uh, improvement with omega-3s. Again, it's something that you can find when you run the numbers, but in terms of actually seeing something um, dramatically change out in the real world, uh, nothing in the food realm uh, has been found to either make things better or worse. It's kind of neutral. Uh, and we have probably a hundred studies now uh, looking at uh, diets, uh, uh, either subtraction diets or addition diets or megavitamins or uh, health foods or only natural foods and things like that, decreasing sugar. None of those things have been shown to have an effect upon ADHD. Um, okay. It just hasn't been studied with ODD. Is there, do you know, does the does research show any link between early trauma or neglect and development of ADHD or ODD? I am not this aware is, that anybody's looked at that. Okay. I haven't been able um, to find it. It could be, I know early malnutrition, and this is among children adopted from um, or, orphanages, certainly can be linked to ADHD. I, I don't know um, that there's any evidence on ODD. Can you talk a, lot, a little bit more about Dr. Barkley's books and his materials? Because I think he's a huge resource for families with, um, with dealing with ODD. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Russ Barkley has been the theoretician in ADHD for the last 25 years. Uh, he's now retired. He does do uh, uh, lectures and things like that around the country, but he's not actively doing research anymore. Uh, his major theory of uh, executive function deficits uh, 
uh, and ADHD, unfortunately, has led nowhere. Um, it hasn't led to therapies um, when other people have looked at it, very inconsistent findings. Um, so when the folks who did the DSM-5 reviewed executive function deficits to see if it had anything to offer to the, to the DSM-5, they said they, they found nothing it had to offer. That said, he is a tremendous resource on um, defiant children. Uh, his book is the standard book. It's got a big, bright red cover. Um, and um, what he did was he went out and spent an entire year at the University of Oregon, um, University of Oregon in Portland, Oregon, uh, which where most of these techniques were developed, pioneered, tested, etc. And so he basically what, it, what that book is, is he wrote up his notes from a year that he spent in Portland. And it's, it's a very good uh, behavioral modification program for prepubertal children. His book is The Defiant Child, I, I believe. Right. right. And, yeah, he, he, um, he is a great resource. Just before we close, Dr. Dotson, do you have any words of hope? About, a number of people have posted that this just sounds so grim. <laughs> you know, the genetics and the, um, the fact, the, the, the description of the, of the behavior. Do you, you know, have you seen cases where kids' have behavior has been turned around or helped? Um, Absolutely. Offer anything um, of hope for to our audience? Yeah, no, it's. Um, I know most parents don't want to hear this, but medication. Medication is a, is the treatment modality that has a track record of dramatic benefit. It's where everybody ought to start, not the treatment of last resort when everything else has failed. Again, because. These are more than misbehaving children. These are the kids from hell. Um, and they are hardwired to defeat anything that the parent tries to do. That's, that's what makes them different from just misbehaving children. This is something that's neurological, genetic, biological, and things that are neurological, biological, genetic don't respond to behavior management. It, it makes about as much sense as trying to lower a fever with a behavioral technique. It just doesn't work. Um, and it doesn't work with ODD. It doesn't work with ADHD. The behavioral techniques in ADHD have never once been able to show that they have significant, that they have detectable lasting benefits. Um, medication is where you start, gets you in the game. Um, with a child who can cooperate with you uh, rather than defeat you. Uh, you have to get in the game on a level playing field, um, and you do that with medication. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Dawson. It's been great, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. For more Attitude Podcast and information on living well with attention deficit, visit attitudemag.com. That's A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E-M-A-G dot com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.